Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcher List. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Sporer and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 737 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday the 13th, uh, <laughs> September 13th, in fact, and I'm your host, Paul Sporer, and it's a Fireside Chat, so I am with Mr. Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? What is happening? How you doing, Sporer? Doing pretty well. We're back. Uh, we're back on a Friday the 13th. You know, there's two Friday the 13th in like a three-month span here. What? There'll be what? another in December. Yes. Oh, my God. We are uh, going to survive together. We can do this. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, it'd be cool if it was in October, obviously, the spooky month and the Halloween mm, month. But right. it's kind of cool that uh, that there are two. And um, we're not going to talk anything spooky today, though. We're going to be talking something that we really like, something that makes us happy. There may be some spooky goings-on within these yes. mock drafts. There are but, some uh, spooky we're be, picks, okay? Yeah, we're right. going to be talking about the uh, the two early mocks and particularly the pitching pool thus far. Now, the ADP data is running about uh, 270-ish picks deep. Uh, Smod has put together an amazing spreadsheet for us to manipulate so we can isolate our starters and discuss them. We're going to talk a bit about the uh, the first 10 rounds, how things are breaking down there, and then get into some of our favorites between 150 and 200 and then post 200. Uh, but let's just dive right into it. Let me, before we get into names specifically, what is your first blush on the pitching pool, particularly in that first 10 round range, which is where the heart of your team is made? Sure. Uh, I think it's surprisingly good. Um, obviously, you have a top tier for me, which is the first four guys of Scherzer, Cole, Verlander, DeGrom. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, and then you have you have a lot of 1B guys that I would be very happy owning. And that goes, uh, I think for me, it goes about 15 to 20 deep. Uh, so going from like 5 to, to through 20. Um, and then mm-hmm. after that, there is still a lot of pitchers that I'd be excited about having as my second starter, even my third at that point until about, I want to say around 35 or so. I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, just about the top 30, your top 30. And there's some honorable mentions that could have been thrusted in there. And that's kind of how I feel about, I want to get at least two, if not three of those. I could also see myself feasting. On the other side of it, guys around 35 to 50, there might be three people I go for there. That's traditionally my draft strategy, but it might be someone that definitely jumps after two in that top 30. I'm actually doing something right here. 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay. Let me do this little math real quick. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Sorry for the silence there. I was counting. Coming into this year in the main event, in the top 150, top 10 rounds, there are 41 starters. In these drafts so far, it's 39. So it's more or less the same. 39 felt like a low number to me. That's why I wanted to run that number. Sure. But it's actually in line with this year. One of the things that you talked about was, or or a bold prediction that you made was that uh, we'd go into 2020 feeling that there's a a depth to starting pitching. Do you think we've gotten there? So, I mean, the way you just put it being 39 to 39, I'm trying to think of the guys that were drafted as the 39th starters entering this year. And that's getting around the Kyle Hendricks. I think Kyle Freeland was in that group. Maybe Tanaka. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to remember what the consensus was. At the beginning. They were 
They were uh, so Tanaka. Yes, was was later there. Let me see where Freeland went. Freeland would actually be a bit after that. He was okay. pick one eighty eight. Um, so right around that that spot there, at like one fifty on the button was Cole Hamels. Sure. Uh, just above him was Jay Happ. Uh, you see, Eduardo I, Rodriguez, Nick Pavetta. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned just, Eduardo Rodriguez. I mean, he's the fortieth in this one, mm-hmm. but I do feel more confident in the guys going past forty. Um, and around 35 through, I guess, around 50 or so than I did coming into this year. I would say that. You you feel more confident about those guys? About I mean, yeah, we're talking like David Price and Lance Lynn being involved in that. Um, some targets I know of Mayo Behazos Lozardo, Frankie Matas coming back from his suspension. Uh, that, to me, having that kind of... Those kind of options. I remember. Well, that's just I mean, outside the 150. Well, right, I mean, it is. It at. is. Yeah, it is. The Freed, Hendricks, Eduardo are the last three before we get to 150 prices. Right there at Here, 151. This is a great way of putting it. Tanaka is pretty much the same, right? Our understanding of Tanaka maybe a little bit lower, but pretty sure. much the same. And he's at 53 here. Well, and he was. He was so much lower last right. year. I mean, he was just going by raw pick as opposed to pitcher because mm-hmm. I, I yeah, can't count way. the RPs again. Right. He was 118, <laughs> and uh, he's 188 this year. Right. So did he do enough? Now, he's been worse this year from a ratio standpoint. And honestly, the biggest difference is the strikeout dip. He dropped two strikeouts that's, per that's nine. That's a great point. Yeah. Okay. But is that a 70 pick drop? The market says yes. Do we agree? I, I don't think it is necessarily. I, I, again, my instinct right now is Tanaka not so much, but you're totally right. Splitter has been more inconsistent this year, caused mm-hmm. that dip in strikeouts. But it's not that different. Uh, and I think that is a good representation of how we should be treating this draft class than last year's. Now, one thing I want to look at here is like, let's go to the 100 range. So just in, inside outside the 100 to like 120 range, we had... Coming into this year, we had Bumgarner, Bieber, Ray, Morton, Castillo, Man, Severino. That was, obviously, that was a place to feast. Yeah, uh, Severino didn't work, but uh, you know, uh, then Tanaka and Archer. So the last three there didn't quite work. This year, in that same range, you're looking at Darvish, Bumgarner again, Soroka, Gray, Carrasco, Ryu, Ray, um, and then Brandon Woodruff is actually 124. So. I think that's another good range again. Right. I'm that seems like a quality range to work in, which is really like that 90 to 120 range. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't get, you know, get your premium guy out front if you want, but then maybe wait a little bit I- into that area. That seems like a, a nice area that's obviously there's some love for those guys because they're going at that pick, but they have a chance to really play up. Um at least uh, based off of what happened this year and, and what we're looking at going into next year. Obviously, it's not because they're picked there. That just seems to be the range of like, we still trust these guys, but uh, they have an ace upside that maybe isn't quite fully uh, embraced in the draft. Sure, yeah. So let's get into some names here. So uh, going a little bit by by round, the first round only had two guys by ADP that are consistently going in the first two. These are 15 round, 15 uh, team drafts. So we're going per 15. Scherzer and Cole are the top two. And, um, you know, Cole, Scherzer, Scherzer, Cole. I really wouldn't mind if someone went Verlander with one of those three. That was my number one in the in the top 30. Would you take any of those other – anybody else besides those three in the first round? Right. I mean, I 
I honestly I have it as Degrom being included in this tier personally. So I'm just gonna wait until the second round for something. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going after a starter in the first two rounds, it's likely going to be at the back end of the second. If I'm a middle of the second or front end of the second, that is overall late or middle pick. I probably will be going two hitters and then going after something on the back turn of the third. Yeah, Ver- uh, Verlander, Degrom, Verlander, Degrom, and Bueller all had first round uh, picks. Like they're, they're low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it in the first round or they're high? However you want to call it. That, that's always confusing because we're talking about the lower number, but it's a higher pick. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I think that that's kind of interesting. So just to give a little thought on what I did here, I had the number one pick. I obviously I, I took Trout. I shouldn't say obviously because Acuna's Yelich. I think they're both perfectly fine picks. I did go Trout. I came back with Xander Bogarts and then Blake Snell in the third. Sure. I took Snell at 31. That's where I wanted to get my my ace. I felt pretty good about that. Um, I was actually the high man, though. You were. The two of us took him at 31. Uh, otherwise, he was 40, 41, 47, and 59. Give me Snell at fifty nine. I am man. I'm sorry. I'm just discovering more and more things from this mock that is very surprising <laughs> to me. So I'm getting sidetracked. Well, but um, is it within these first couple? Because we're going to move on to the second yeah, round no, here. Mitch, that there's been four guys: Verlander, Degrom, again, uh, and Bueller. They all made first round at times, and then yeah. Bieber, whose high pick was twenty three, so he never quite made it into that first round. But he's a firm second rounder, and uh, and then Nolo is actually going to be. Third round ADP, but did creep into the second at times. What do you think about the Verlander, DeGrom, Bueller, Bieber quartet there in the second round? Well, right. I mean, I do think there is that gap between DeGrom and Bueller. Uh, I have nothing against Bueller being five and Bieber being six. I don't know if ultimately that's where I'm going to have them, but I wouldn't be surprised if I did land on it. Uh, mm-hmm. With Bieber specifically, I have my concerns just about, I don't know if his hit ability truly has gone away. I uh, and I I do wonder if that is something that is going to return. While with Bueller, I believe more of his dominance when he's dominant. If that makes yeah. sense. No, I I get that. I mean, because even you just look. Um, I do think we saw improvements from Bieber, but but agree that it might not necessarily just be gone as far as his hit ability. Right. The home runs are still there. Uh, in fact, they're up from 1.0 to 1.2, but the hit rate came down three hits per nine from 10.2 to 7.3. You'll love that. And right. I do think there is some work that, that Bieber's done to improve that. Definitely. And and that's made him a monster. And one of the things I love about Bieber is I think even if the strikeouts came back a little bit, I do think that the volume is going to continue to be a big piece yes, for definitely. him. Um, buck 95 already with you know three, four more starts still uh, on the docket for him. So that's incredible. I agree with you on the Bueller dominance, though. Let's move into that seventh, uh, excuse me, that third round where seven guys went. So this is where people are catching up. If they did go hitter, hitter, uh, real thick round. The biggest of the top ten rounds, by the way, with seven pitchers. Nola, Mike Clevenger, Clayton Kershaw, Blake Snell, Jack Flaherty, Steven Strasburg, and Chris Sale. Sale all the way down to the 13th pitcher. Peaked as high as the 29th pick off the board, but regularly going in the uh, in, in the 45 to 54 range. What do you think about this group of seven? So, okay, first of all, Nola at number seven is just so shocking to me. I don't understand. No this. discount. It's, it's literally no discount. Now, I know how good he has been uh, sure. since since June. I, I, everyone, I mean, I'm the Nola guy, right? Live every day like it's Nola day. That's right. A couple and... wonky ones lately, but but <laughs> has been pitching brilliantly 
for, right. for, a, for a good while now. So I actually, I don't know if you remember this, uh, back in the preseason, everyone kind of assumed that Nola was going to be five or six out of from me. Yes, you had and him like I, 11. I, and I teased to the Discord people saying, hey, just so you know, there's someone who's going to be at 10 that you're not going to be happy with. And it was Nola because, you know, I had every indication of being great but not elite. And I still kind of feel that way about Nola. He's never going to hint at a 35% strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. And, yes, he's going to have those times where things are good. But I remember the big first two months of the year wondering what's up with his fastball command, what's up with his curveball, why isn't he getting whiffs, etc. And he will have these stretches of everything is locked in, but... If I'm going, if I'm spending a top seven pick on a starter, I want someone that I truly can believe just have a full season of, of everything. And yes, he did do that in 2018, but it's not as believable, again, for him to do that. Say like, I would rather have Mike Clevenger, and even if he doesn't have that absolute dominance of a full year, at the very least, I know his strikeout rate will be higher than Nola's. So I, it surprises me a little bit that to see Nola at seven. I think it's more of the the name value. Uh, attached to that, I don't really know what else to say. It's kind of weird for you to even suggest that, considering everyone that was in this draft, or I would imagine, removed from name value. Uh, so I, it, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you make out of that? No, I, I'm a bit shocked by it. I'm not going to lie here, and uh, I, I am surprised. By the way, I just want to make a quick correction here, and we're going to get into it as we're going. Uh, there's four in the fourth round, and and that means there's 40 guys. Uh, compared to the 41 last year. So again, as far as top 10 rounds go, uh, pretty much the same. Uh, add right. Syndergaard to your fourth round there. But uh, I was really shocked to see Nola as the highest guy of these seven. I think I'd take almost all of them ahead of uh, Nola. And again, that's Clevenger, Kershaw, Snell, Flaherty, Strasburg, Sale. So, okay. The, the, yeah, one, that, I, the one that really shocked me, really did, was Flaherty at 11. I knew you were going to say that, but it shouldn't shock you with what he's doing in the second half. Well, Do you know what his yes. ERA is? I know. I know. I, it was it's like point, point six point or seven something. Six. Yeah, right. And that's to say his whip is the exact same. It, 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 okay. I know this is going to be blasphemy what I'm about to say, but it feels so much like Marquez and Wheeler. I, listen, I'm not – I'm not here to necessarily disagree with you. I'm just telling you that's why it doesn't shock me at all that he was right. going that high. It's it's just you see someone like Castillo who has been just consistently, yeah, okay, this guy's great. Yeah, I believe in his skill set a lot more than I do Jack Flaherty's. Jack Flaherty I mean, has this- an amazing slider right now. He has an incredible feel for it. His curveball has gotten a little bit better, but it's still not really – like the day that his slider won't be there, he's not going to do well. This group and, going right yeah. after him, Strasburg, Sale, Castillo, Corbin – I think I want all four of them over Flaherty, yes. which is more a, a promotion 100%. of them than an indictment of Flaherty. But That's fair, I think your, yeah. your your comparison of Marquez and Wheeler specifically because of their brilliant second halves that really rocketed them up the board, I think is very apt. And uh, and I, I understand that and I, I, I can feel that totally. And so I wonder, you know, again, not really against Flaherty, but just more of like – do I want to draft base solely off of this second half? I don't think I do with Flaherty. Now, I have a very special skill, Paul. I can actually hear people reacting before they even hear this. And I can hear them say, Flaherty has been much better outside of the stretch than Marquez and Wheeler have ever been. And that's not fair. And that's, um, a, good, that's, a, that's a good point. No, yeah. I maybe mean, Marquez, but not really Wheeler. If you look at their like first half, second half split, 
No, I, you know, mean, I mean, like, take out, take out the golden age is what I'm saying. Like, the golden age of Flaherty and the golden age of Wheeler. And then outside of that, I would oh, say so Flaherty's basically like, better. Basically, like, Flaherty last year, sure. Right. Uh, but. Yeah. I would still push back because I would say 15, 16, 17. 15 and 16 were lost. 17 was an injury return that was garbage. But then 13, 14 was comparable to what Flaherty did last year for Wheeler. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that was different really was like his 17 was bad as he was returning from injury. But I don't know. I think that that's a really apt comp. Uh, it's the actual, He's younger. The, the closer one I have, which is really weird. Kind of, I mean, it's still it's still not fully accurate either to me. Uh, is Jose Barrios, where okay. uh, and McCullers too is someone I keep yeah, throwing. That's around McCullers with one that you've consistently um, put on but, uh, but on Flaherty. The reason I'm mentioning those two guys specifically for Flaherty is that Barrios and McCullers have a really good breaking ball. I mean, Barrios is a stupid mm-hmm. where it's just amazing or it's just not, and averages yes. out to be slightly better than average, but not as elite as you think it is. I but those guys are are pitchers that don't really have like okay Clevenger and Bieber what make them so good is that they have two breaking balls that are great two big guys that are fantastic and yep. even Clevenger then throws ninety seven like yeah whatever no problem I, and Biebs throws ninety four with uh, ninety six in his back pocket right yeah he's yeah, he's got much better utilizing that fastball uh, I mean not to say the Flaherty throws ninety but no, it, no, no. It's, oh no 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 that yeah. wasn't that no, wasn't no, to I know. suggest yeah, yeah Flaherty. Flaherty's fastball has actually been a big part of right. w- with the slider. Well, right. Um, average spin rate, from my understanding, too. It's it's a weird thing with Flaherty. The all I'm going to bring this all back together here. Okay. <laughs> and say that when Flaherty Flaherty is so dependent on the feel of his slider, and I don't like that. And he has a really good run right now, rolling with that slider bottom of the zone so often, missing a ton of bats, and it's great. Mm-hmm. I don't like making a top 15 pick on a pitcher based on the feel of one pitch. I, I'm, and that's I'm okay what you're with doing. that. And that's what you're doing if you take Flaherty there. So I'm I'm moving away. I would rather trust the feel of a fastball over the feel of a breaking ball. Um, so yes, that's why I have absolutely. someone like Giolito ahead uh, or Bueller ahead. Oh, and uh, that's part of going back to the name we invoked a moment ago. That's why I liked Wheeler coming into the yeah, year. Yeah, right. Is, uh, you know, he was so fastball-based that I really – I was really comfortable with uh, mm-hmm. w- with that, uh, with as far as ranking Wheeler, and obviously it hasn't panned out uh, to how I expected, but I felt good about that. Flaherty was 18th on my uh, on my top 30 list. That was back on August 15th. Since then, he's probably given up like negative six earned. Somehow, he's taking runs off of his ledger. That's how good he's been. Uh, no, he's just been obviously out of his mind. But I'm not sure I'm going to move him much from that in in, in the next rank. Like sure. he'll move up a few spots, but I'm not going to overreact to the second half. So that's the that's the third round there. Uh, we talked about Nola, Clevenger, Flaherty. What about this Kershaw, Snell, Strasburg, Snell? Now those are four vets. We kind of know what we're what we're getting there. Um, they've all had injury issues, and two of them this year, Snell and Sale. Uh, Kershaw has made it the full year. Strasburg has as well, which is not something that Strasburg normally does. How do you feel about that little group of four that are still going in the third round? Well, I mean, I'm probably going to avoid a lot of them. Um, only because of that injury tendency, not to mention with Snell. I love the Rays and I hate the Rays at the same time, where I love their development, working on the high fastballs and everything, but they love to baby Snell. And 
I wonder if, you know, we're talking about the necessity of 200 innings, those kinds of guys. That's why we love Bieber and Clevenger. We know that the Indians will let them fly out there. That's kind of why I love Giolito and I love Corbin. But I don't know if we're necessarily going to get that with Snell. And he is obviously recovering from injury right now. And I don't know how much that will still play into it. Uh, I'm obviously ruined for the guy. I mean, I still have that poster and it's still gorgeous. Uh, and forever Snell known blueprint, as baby. the Blake Snell blueprint, the Backstreet Boy, right? Uh, I will and- say. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's going to be 27 next year. I really hope that they turn yeah, turn the sure. reins loose. You know, if he doesn't have injury, an, an actual injury, I, I hope that they're not just overly babying. You know, they allowed Price to be a workhorse. Um, they don't have to push Snell 220 like he was like Price was doing back in the day, but let him go 200 if he's got it. And I think yeah. uh, I, he certainly has the ability when healthy. So I will be taking. Like, I'm not against this group. It depends how my first couple break down, but I. I I'm open to that third round pitcher and Clevenger, Snell, uh, Kershaw, Strasburg, and Sale would be the five that I'd be looking at. Nola Flaherty, its prices are a little bit too high for me. Yeah. Um, and again, Nola leading the charge of this group is is very surprising to me. So, so I would personally just wait until Castillo, Corbin, Giolito. That's fourteen. Sorry, that's uh, forty seven through fifty seven right now. Yeah, that's our fourth round, yeah. and then add in Syndergaard. He's also there. I know you're not as big of a Syndergaard guy, but Castillo, Corbin, Giolito, yep. I'm fine. They're all right there too. And so honestly, I could see taking them in the third round because sure. depending on yeah, where your fair, pick yeah. is, they might not get to you. Yep. So that's you a could, good point. We're just breaking these off based on where they are in ADP. That's just their average. But if I if I got to a pick in the third round. I'd be open to taking any of those three, and you know I can't quit Syndergaard. I'd probably want to try to get him in the fourth, but I'm not quitting him. I'm not. No, I'm not. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to uh, talk to to someone part of the Mets and be like, "Can we talk about Syndergaard?" He's like, "I can't." You know, I can't talk about anything. I was like, "But really, though, can we?" He's like, "No, I can't." Why? <laughs> it's I so can't. frustrating. I just want to yeah. just want to have conversations about the frustrating part. Uh, the approach of every game and like how he's trying to throw his slider and where he's trying to throw his bat. It just doesn't make sense. Without the Cubs start, he'd be having a brilliant second half. Oh, because true, even yeah. with that Cubs start, he's got a 312 ERA with 75 strikeouts and 69 nice innings. So that's the thing. And I, I'm just, I'm just not going to miss the boat if and when he finally has that ace turn. But we don't have to get into Syndergaard. We've d- discussed That's him right. to death. You swim. mentioned that Giolito is somebody that, that you are, are in on here. It's Well, okay. I am so I mean, you're, I'm you're buying in. You're paying the freight. I'm surprised I'm a little bit surprised, I too. I thought you'd run the other way. Well, yes. Okay. So I, I'm surprised just because of the the value looks like it's there. Um, he uh, Giolito is someone that I have some initial hesitations on. Because he is somewhat to pitch. Uh, it's fastballs up and then changeups up as well. And sometimes he doesn't even nail that changeup down. Like yesterday's start, um, he threw too many changeups up. And he didn't really go down the zone a lot. And he allowed two home runs to the Royals. One that really burned him in the fifth inning. Or the sixth mm-hmm. inning for a three-run shot. And it does make me worry. That, oh, I just need to see that slider fall in for strikes more often. And to use that as more of a whiff pitch. And if you can do that, I mean, Giolito is a top 10 asset easily. Um, Here's the thing, too. Yeah. His split is pretty substantial. As high as 40, as low as 72. So, <laughs> you know, that's part of, I don't know if you're going to 
get this this 16th pitcher off the board price are you willing to pay sure if it's the 12th 13th pitcher right uh, no i'm not i mean it's it's one of those things that i'm i'd be happy to let the other ones go and then be the you know whoever the last one is of this i'm taking sure sure okay uh, but uh you said sorry you said split and i thought you were talking about him learning a splitter i was like what Oh man! Where did that come? You know, and then I was like, no. As, as frustrating as splitters can be with the feel, I'd still it's, love that if he did. Yeah, if he's like in corp- just different you know? than his changeup, just to have another, just right. to have another look for Jeweler. That, that'd be amazing. <laughs> now, um, okay. So before we get into round five here, this is this is through the top sixty picks. Mm-hmm. I know you've eschewed the top pitching in the past. What did anything happen this year that made you feel like maybe that's not the best? I will say, I will say, at the end of the second, early third, I, I am from the from the tail end of the second to the end of the third. I likely am going to go for a starter. I'm not going to overreach for someone I don't like. Sure, but uh, I mean, I still need to fully assess who I think. Um, like last year, I had the tier of the 22, which are the 22 hitters that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And if some of those guys were available at the end of it, if everyone waited on, if jumped at pitching, great, I had this, and I was still going to wait on pitching. Or if they all went after them, then great, this is when I go after a pitcher. So I haven't really established where that tier ends quite yet. It does end around the start of the third, I think. But, I mean, if again, if DeGrom is there, at the if I have the, won the first three picks in the draft, I'm getting DeGrom uh, in the second round. That's, if he's the only, I'm doing that, yeah. Oh, man, if DeGrom is regularly available in the second, sign me the hell up, dude. I right, think he's exactly. a little bit underrated uh, with where he is. He did go as high as 11th, but then no higher than 17th in the other five drafts. Right. And, right. and so that's second round for sure for DeGrom. Mm-hmm. All right, in the fifth round, just two guys, Morton and Granky, two oldies, but goodies. Um, I'd actually be fine with that, though, too. If, if some hitters really lingered in the fourth that I was like, nah, man, I got I to gotta go. And, uh, you know, in the third and fourth round where I had to take if I opened with four pitcher or four hitters, I wouldn't even be that mad if one of these two fronted my rotation despite their age, uh, because Granky's in Houston and, you know, Morton's had two brilliant seasons. And of course, health is always a lingering concern. But again, as we say, it's like how much more is it a concern with him than it is with every damn pitcher that's out there? Right. Uh, and so, well, you know, okay. The reverse of that is Morden. There is a heightened one for me. Uh, well, that's what I said. It it is yeah. higher, but but how much higher than? I would I would very willing willingly bet that Morden does not pitch more than 140 innings next year. Okay. Yeah. I'll, th- I'll, th- I'll take that bet. Yeah, because I, I think this is the year where he really pushed himself. And I'm surprised that he's avoided as much as he had this year. Yeah, buck seventy six uh, with you know three four stars me, But that's also essentially a career for him. Uh, I'm going to treat it like that because it's what like seven, I don't know. eight years. One sixty seven, one forty five. Last year, one sixty seven, okay. one forty six. The year before, seventeen. The injury flame out. Uh, one twenty nine, one fifty seven. So I mean, only twice under one forty in the last six years. Um. You know, he's going to be 36. It's not an awful bet on your end. I understand why you would take – I would probably do that on just about any 36-year-old Well, okay, so like, so how old is Grinky? Uh, he's he's right around there. Okay, I'm very willing to bet that Grinky has more innings than Morden. I mean, I can't swear, but I want to say no S. <laughs> well, right. It's so, obvious. 
So, okay, so that, that's kind of what I'm going for here is that Granky, especially also with the offseason. Well, that's why I said I, I would take either of them. Yeah. Well, I would know. I would very much rather take. I think this is fantastic value for Granky. It, it, um, it has been for the last four years now. I mean, it's, right? it's the 19th pitcher off the way. He lives in this like 18 to 22 range for the last, what, three years now? Yeah, and he's and, just always uh, returned. Uh, and he I comes mean, in one year. What was that? 2017, where he his first with with uh, And since then, I think he's carried right. that tag because I think the first year in Arizona, he was still going high because he was coming off the great LA run. Actually, that was great. That was 16, I think even. It, it was 16, yes, and then 17, 18, 19. So the last three years, he's lived in this like 18 to 22 range of starting pitcher, and yet continued to perform as a top 10 guy. Right. And, uh, I, so I'm with you on that, but I'm just saying if he was gone and and Morton was there, I would I would take Morton. I, I I really like what he's able to do. I'll take my innings. I mean, he's the sixth best pitcher this year on uh, Rasball's Player Raider. Uh, let me see where Granky is. He's got to be very high as well. Seven. They're six and seven. They're right by each other. <laughs> nice. Uh, just to understand how much I like Granky, I I don't know yet. Uh, I'm going to put out my 2020 rankings i believe i'm going to try and do it as early as possible so september 30th the day after the season ends i uh, but i'm leaning towards granky ahead of flaherty right now i had granky at 20 just behind flaherty at, at 18 it was Gr- flaherty paddock granky i'm fine with that i really am um full year in houston man and he just, just keeps getting it done, and everyone keeps worrying about the velo. He comes in throwing thirty miles an hour in spring, and everyone's like, "This he has is the incredible year. command." It's it's ridiculous. It's what he can brilliant. Do. It's truly brilliant. Um, but let's move on to the sixth. Yes, this uh, is interesting. We, I, now we start to get some more chunks here, and this is definitely a drop off, I think, in mm-hmm. reliability because then it goes Bauer, Paxton, Barrios, Paddock, Kluber in the sixth round, which uh, is a range of. Uh, 60 pick 66 to 75. Yeah, pick 66 to 75. There, or no, 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 I'm an idiot. 76 to 90. 76 to 90 is the is the range here that we'd be talking about with these guys Bauer, Paxton, Barrios, Paddock, Kluber. How do you feel about this group? If I'm taking one of these, it's Kluber because Uh, he's the cheapest, and I mean, the injury. Was an arm issue, quote unquote, but not like a shoulder or an elbow. It was getting hit and breaking your arm. Right. Uh, so I'm with you, man. We did have some concerns entering the year with Kluber. Everyone kind of was fading him a little bit. But that was when he was five. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I'm and, with you. Yeah, I had him down. I think at like seven. He's definitely one of those guys that's going to escalate in price if he comes into spring training and looks like Corey Kluber. He's going to skyrocket up the board. But I think even a skyrocketing is like 14th, 15th pitcher off the board. I think he's still going to go much lower, and that's going to be like pick 50. So I think in general, I'm willing to buy a Kluber discount. I was 100% with you. I had some trepidation this year about him, and I even still worry a little bit next year because I don't like his fastball. It hasn't been good really ever. But that breaker – a hybrid breaker it's so nasty it's like so three good. pitches in one it's a slider curveball and cutter it's so good that i still like him so that i i agree with you there now how high would you take him though if kluber does escalate to say pick 50 45 would you still take him there yeah th- this is gonna be interesting because i might i mean there's a lot of jumbling obviously that i would do here i uh, i would have kluber um maybe right before syndigard um, and right before Flaherty, 
I don't know between Granky and Kluber. I think actually I'd have Kluber above Granky. Um, but that's kind of the range that I'm going in around the 15, 16, 17 yeah. area. 15, 16 per pitcher. So I, I think that totally works. Uh, what about with Bauer? Major disappointment. Paxton finishing strong after just some disappointment. Barrios, you've talked about his inconsistency and it, it really shows up. Just go look at a game log frame. It's like six earned runs or zero and rarely anything in between. Paddock, brilliant rookie year. Um, you know, the reins should be off next year, you would think. What do you think about those other four there? Um, and and anyone that you're super high on or super low on based on it's, where they're being drafted? Too much volatility with all of them. Talking about how I'm going to challenge you a little bit on Pat, Paddock yes. being part of, of um, volatility. volatility. Mm. I don't really agree. Uh, only three starts of five plus earned runs, but then 15 of zero to two. Um, you know, we knew the reins would be a little bit tight this year, but he did get 136 innings and he's not shut down yet. I think the reins come off next year a bit. I actually like him the most out of the, the remaining four in this group between him, ba uh, Paddock, Bauer, Pax, and Barrios. And Paddock, give me Paddock. Okay, so volatility is inherent inside of uh, Paddock. And you know why? Because he only throws has two a pitches. split changeup. Okay. It's a Vulcan. And that, that split what? goes in and out. We've seen it a lot go in and out. The, the middle of the year, kind of, he like slowed down. Yeah, that changeup was so but, blip. but I'm with you. I, I actually am higher on Paddock than I am Paxson, than Bauer, than Barrios. Um, higher than Charlie Morton uh, for Paddock. The okay. It's on the back of two things. One, as you mentioned, the volume. But that's really a volume that will come because of that four-seamer being very good. Um, but I do believe in the development of his curveball. I think that is something that is he knows is very important to him. He's seen the games without that ball Absolutely. working for him and how much he needs that pitch to work. He almost becomes a one-pitch guy, Paddock does, because exactly. he's fastball changeup, and when the changeup's out, it's like heaters and, right. you know, guys time right. heaters these days, no matter how fast. Exactly. Uh, but he does a really good job of jamming them up inside and then yep. really featuring that Vulcan when it's working down effectively. It's just about that curveball that he can also work in there. And I think he can. I think it's actually a good pitch. It's just not something he has a lot of confidence in yet. And that just needs to take that one last step forward. It's not like him just inventing a pitch. It's him actually just working on it more and pushing that to 15 to 20 percent usage. Exactly. And exactly. if that happens, which I think it can, then okay, then we actually have a bit of a a, a larger room for error. Where if the changeup isn't there one day, then that's fine. See, you uh, you can do this. And I I don't want Bauer, Paxton, or Barrios at their cost. No, I don't either. Um, I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day where I did a blind comp. Of, uh, of Trevor Bauer and somebody over the last three years, and their numbers were like dead equal. The only difference was volume. And okay, uh, okay. so I mean, I it, remember your comp with Archer, which I've come to, you know, I remember you talking about last time, which was there's very an good. even realized too. There's an even stronger Archer. one. It's, Who is it? it's Robbie Ray. Oh, that's yeah, <laughs> sure. Right, right down to the fact that Ray had a big sub three ERA season two, and then went back to who he was. And you can't tell me that I should take Bauer at 79 when Robbie Ray is available at 116. I'm not even a huge Ray guy, but between well, the two. I'm surprised at Ray's actual price. Yeah, it's it's all. Here's the thing, though. I, I put, oh, you think it's too high? Yes. Oh, no, you're definitely wrong. <laughs> yeah, the 33rd pitcher off the board. No way, dude. He's always market value. I disagree. I think, I think he's always a perfectly fair price. Like so he's always you, literally market rather, value. Would you rather have Mike Minor or Robbie Ray? 
Uh, probably Ray. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I like Miner, but I think I'll take Ray. I mean, he's he's, you know exactly what you're getting. You're getting, a hundred and sixty-five innings and a boatload of strikeouts. And, and when you're playing Roto, you're gonna get the inconsistency, but it doesn't matter. Head-to-head is a totally different story because he can bounce around. But you're gonna get. I mean, even this year with a 4.30 ERA and a 1.34 WHIP, neither of which is good for Ray. 32nd pitcher on the board on the player radar. Well, because of the strikeouts. So I mean, but and those are locked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, trust me. I'm I'm the guy that's like, hey, strikeouts are really cool, guys. Yeah. So Uh, it's there is something to be said about the the whole. I mean, it's it goes to you know a guy like Gallo before he started hitting for average. How much of a sink are you willing to have for that production? How hard is it to find that strikeout production if you don't have Ray? And what is that true balance? I understand the the overall ranking because it's saying, hey, strikeouts are X value. They're telling you there, but that application isn't necessarily the same for your league. I'm not. I, I see your point completely, and I think it is a really good point. You know what you're getting, and strikeouts are a very valuable asset. And there he is at 33. And I'm even looking at the guys after, but like, yeah, there isn't really something over the top that says like, hey, I'm definitely doing that. Instead, um, for me, I don't know. It's a I, I don't I don't I don't feel like I need to spend the price of thirty three. I mean you're actually I think you made the comparisons before with, with Ray and say Archer. Mm-hmm. Um and if you want an extreme strike I got with questionable ratios, maybe how far away is John Gray from that necessarily? Or yeah, but Matthew it's Colorado. Boyd. Matthew and, Boyd. And, oh, dude. I've actually called Matthew Boyd essentially the second Robbie Ray. Because it's that's what it's been, is that you start him, you ratios be damned, but you have you have a ton of strikeouts from Boyd. Uh, I mean, you, Lance you, Lynn you do. getting a ton of strikeouts. Um, I like Lynn. I like Lynn a lot. These are guys going uh, 50 picks later, 60 picks on this mock 50. Boyd, uh, though, dude. If Bo- I don't know. I, I know. I know. Well, right. Boyd has trashed his reputation in the second Completely. half. Completely. I understand. He can't that. stifle homers at all. And that is so concerning. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering how. Uh, let's see. But yeah, for me, mostly I mean, the, the the comparison was was Bauer and Ray, and I'm not going to take. There's no chance I take Bauer where he's at when Ray's there, and some of the other guys that you mentioned even later is fine with me. Let's move into the seventh round here. One last point. Um, sure. Sorry. Uh, Two point one five home run per nine, five point four eight ERA, three fifty BABIP. This is Robbie Ray. Last ten starts. Okay. So I mean that's the second half, Robbie Ray. Well, I mean you you said Matthew Boyd, five fifty eight ERA, four thousand yeah. home runs. <laughs> I mean two point. Well, right. No, I'm just I, I, the only point of that was to say I, you're totally right, Boyd's. I mean yeah, Boyd's probably has like a four home run per nine or something. But it's not. I'm just trying to showcase like, hey, Robbie Ray's kind of not been excellent in the second half himself. So, I mean, I think we can at least take the step to say Boyd shouldn't be so bad like this second half for next year. But Ray's done a hell of a lot more than Boyd has. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, we're talking 50-point difference. Is does that draft – I mean, I don't know. But is, is that draft value justified? You know, is that gap? Probably because draft? I think in the end they're, they're, they're a lot closer than, than this ADP has it. Um, it, it really depends how it breaks down, but you know you see Boyd spiking as high as 148, 
uh, or 134 even, and Ray, Ray who can get down to 131, 141. So in the end, I do think they are really close. This is not really a pro Ray move for me. It's really in comparison to Bauer. They were yeah. more or less okay. dead even right. in performance the last track. three years, and there's no chance I'm taking Bauer. I'm so out on Bauer as a top 20 pitcher. It's not even funny. Right. At 20, but, no, I can't do that. I could see myself if he does fall to the mid-30s or something like that, taking the chance there. He just won't. There's no chance. Yeah. There's literally no chance that he will because uh, 90th was the lowest that he went, which is the 25th pitcher. Speaking of that Fair 25th enough, yeah. pitcher, he leads off in the seventh round here. Tyler Glass now, Luis Severino, you Darvish, and Ma- uh, Matthew Bumgarner, Madison Bumgarner. So we have two young injury guys that – Missed a lot of the season, the whole season in Severino's case, at least until maybe next week. And then two veterans that uh, really grinded out quality seasons. Darvish was a topsy-turvy one. Bumgarner was just a consistently solid season here. So kind of different ends of the spectrum with these four pitchers. Who's your favorite of the group between Glasnow, Severino, Darvish, and Bumgarner? Severino. Okay. Uh, I think uh, the same idea with Kluber is that there's a premium discount, uh, a premium discount because of the lost season. Uh, well, but his, the, his is a lot different than the injuries. A lot. And yet this will obviously change uh, based on what we see. I mean, even on Tuesday uh, when he has his first of, start of the year. And we I, talked about that when we, when we went over my top 30. You said Severino two laws. Like, I feel you. I parked him there. Yeah, He's definitely right. somebody who's going to evolve. Exactly. And um, I think he can go as high as top 15 now, if he looks sharp. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, it really it really talks more or it's more interesting to me about Glasnow, Darvish, and Bumgarner. There's three very different pitchers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bumgarner, strikeout rate has been falling, but he's actually been a very stable pitcher. And if you're looking for stability, you're going to get it yeah. um, from Bumgarner. So kind of like the old Kyle Hendricks of old in a way now. Right? We're just like, Kyle all right, Hendricks you know what? We're always, all have, you mean. I know. But I mean, every year he gets slightly worse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel that though. Like, oh, right. right. Oh, maybe yeah. you have some volatility in your first pitcher or two, if depending on how many you have, and you just want something that you feel like you can bank. Right. And just throw Bumgarner in there. Exactly. I think you're going to get 200 again. He showed the health is back. He's still only going to be 30 next year. I think you're getting two, and I think he might resign with San Francisco. I think that that's does, part of the reason that he was traded. Yeah. And so you still have that protection for at least right. half of his game. So I, I'm with you there. Darvish and Glass now, where he at on that? Man, on that so Darvish has been so good. Uh, he threw actually uh, 14 knuckle curves yesterday. They learned from Craig Krimbrell this year. And half uh, CSW, so seven swing strikes plus called strikes on that, which is 50%, which is great. You want to see above 30% on breaking balls, and he had 50%. Super good. I uh, I still don't like that he doesn't throw sliders like he used to because that's mm-hmm. an unbelievably stupid good pitch but he's been absolutely cruising over his last 11 starts uh two five year ray 0.76 whip 37 percent strikeout rate 2.5 percent walk rate just four and walks in that time uh so that's really cool to see i don't that's think garbage, we're gonna go yeah garbage i uh, we're no, not I ever garbage gonna... i was just oh, reiterating <laughs> who we were talking about no it's not garbage right. oh garbage okay it's you um <laughs> No, I anyway, Darvish, I think, is not going to be able to remove himself from the full tumultuous season. I think that's always going to kind of haunt him. Mm-hmm. I, Tyler Glasnow, here's the interesting one, because here's the shiny new toy. And no one will forget the feeling of him against the Chicago White Sox start when he had that fastball, that cut movement on all of a sudden. And what? it was just blowing guys away. He's re-sparking oh. it, too. He's back. 
So he's going to throw some more, well, you know, well, they're right. opens basically, but he's going to get back on the mound. You're going to get that happy feeling going out into yeah, the, fa- no, into I mean, the yeah, fall. He's, he's had it a bit. And uh, it's one of those things where I think we overlook who he is as a pitcher. Because what he is, <laughs> is he's a fastball heavy guy who has a curveball that some days is brilliant. And we've seen games where it isn't brilliant. And then there's nothing else. And we had him we had him in the late 30s, I think, entering this year. I don't know where you had him specifically, but it was around there. It was this bald, we didn't really know, cherry bomb kind of guy. Um, where there's a debate between him and Bieber a lot. Yes. I remember the preseason. And kind of both worked out until the injury of Glasnow. Yeah. So whoever Gla- you had there, you felt victorious, you know. Yeah, Glasnow uh, was stifled by injury, but your Bieber bets that folks had, they really paid off. I was actually cautious on Bieber saying let me see a little bit more here before I really go full right. bore and yeah, uh, he, he was I mean he was excellent uh, so so for me Glasnow it, it's we have the the highs of him before the injury and I don't think we understand the lows yet so I'm personally not doing this at 25 I'm, I'm with you I mean I've always been somebody who's been cautious on Glasnow now I will say there were improvements this year, and it was a 50-inning yes. sample that looked really nice. And I do think we saw legitimate improvements in his command and control, which is something I said, until I see it, spare me drafting him as as this you know top X whatever guy. I had him in like the 70s coming into the season. Mm-hmm. I was just really saying, let's tap the brakes. I saw some stuff this year that I liked from, from Glass now. Is it enough to move him into the top 25 starters? No, dude, not a chance. Are you kidding yeah. me? I can't do it. I think that's I think that's just too premium, uh, too high of a uh, premium to pay. He was another guy I put in my honorable mention, so I didn't even get him in my top thirty. And I, I even seeing him come back from the injury, Glass now pitched an open the other day. I think he's going to get a few more, even if they're really good. I don't think I'm going to go higher than thirty five ish. Yeah, I at 30 35. I mean, we, we talked about the cliff before with after uh after the Syndergaard for you. Mm-hmm. Um there is a cliff. I think we're nearing that now at the end of this. Um I don't know if you want me to jump ahead at all here. Yeah, let's go in, let's go into the uh eighth uh, round here. It's Soroka, uh Sonny Gray, Carlos Carrasco, so glad he's back. Hyunjin Ryu yes. and Robbie and the aforementioned Robbie Ray. So, so what what we got here? For me those first 3 are very clear. Um, Carrasco, 31. I mean, this common theme here is that I think people are too harsh on the injury injured guys. Well, there's massive uh, jumps, confirmation yeah, bias yeah. with with this, with um, with these drafts. Like it's just through the roof. So that makes sense. Carrasco's hurt so much, his price will rise i think as the winter goes and people get back on track with carrasco yeah it's uh it's i mean yeah severina kluber carrasco already your guys like oh yeah i would love to have that team next year uh so i i personally i mean every one of these guys it's any year that could be them for 2021 then and we don't forget just who the skill set is they're healthy they're coming back like normally things are fine again um Mm -hmm. So, so I'm higher on Carrasco than these guys. Soroka is an interesting one. I was, we weren't getting out of here without talking about him. So (laughs) I'm glad you brought him up. So, all right, this is, this is the problem with Soroka for me is that obviously I loved him this time last year. I was, I think I had him at 44 or something. 
Mm-hmm. And I uh, and I remember it was actually a really interesting discussion that you and I had just about weighing ceiling and floor and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Soroka was at the part of it. There was Josh James was in there. Nick Kingham, of course, was in there. It was a fun discussion. And I loved him. And then I got terrified by the shoulder. Um, and it was and a it, case, put, it put his yeah. job in peril, right? Like because right. then he came and in and we didn't know when he was even going to start with them, and he didn't end up starting till mid April. Yeah, I I personally I think I got a too much information just about the shoulder that got me terrified. Um, Can I say so that I that's an issue? Uh, sorry to interrupt you. That's an issue yeah, yeah. in general that we deal with right now, and I don't know the best way to handle it because obviously sometimes that info is crucial and and we should take it like very seriously. I do think there is a too much info thing and every little thing that gets reported on in spring is treated as this massive deal. Right. When back in the day we might not have gotten the report but that same stuff was going on. Of course yeah, it was. Definitely. Like I mean there, there's no way it wasn't, but we didn't have up to the millisecond info and beat writers that needed to put out 15 tweets a day and and two beat reports a day so they have to come up with something. And so I think that's part of it. It's like, don't overreact. It's it's hard to say what the right reaction is. I'm not even saying I have the solution because it's very difficult. But I agree right. with you that we we sometimes take it and we're like, well, this is the shoulder. It's terrifying. I'm moving off this guy. Sure. I mean, yeah, the, the, the thing that I'm moving on with Soroka specifically was very specific. Uh, and I should have ignored it and I didn't. But my point about Soroka really is that, okay, let's just – Let's just act like the injury never happened okay. for right now. Let's just say that. What is his skill set? What does it dictate? I love him as a pitcher because he's going to be 22 next year, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. He's 21 now. Absolutely like a veteran. The way that he strives to manipulate the baseball and put it in certain places and really get into the philosophy of pitching itself, I just have immense respect for. Uh, and... The problem I have is that his actual skill set with his slider and changeup aren't there yet. Uh, they aren't as, you know, there's no, none of those pitches are as good as Darvish's slider or cutter or Severino's breaking ball or Glasnow's curveball, etc. He doesn't have that in his repertoire. So he's a okay. floor guy in that way. He's a very much sure. like, okay, what kind of ratios are we going to get? But, I mean, and you're going to tell me, you know, I'm going to say, like, all right, I see, like, a 360 ERA with a 120 whip, and that's a, that's a very valuable thing. I I also, at this point, am wondering, yes, that's my expectation, but his range is limited. That it's a small room. Uh, lower ceiling, but higher floor. You know, you feel like you're above everybody, but you can't jump. And uh, that's kind of like it is, how it is well, for me with Soroka. And if that's what you want, then fine. If you want he someone shown like a higher Ray, ceiling this year, though? He has had flashes of it, but as, well, as far as... It's ERA, though. I'm talking about just the raw performance that we've seen. Well, no, I don't I don't believe that... I don't believe that he... That's actually his skill set. I think he's more like a 3-5 guy, 3-6. I mean, that's what, his, that's what his FIP is. Well, I agree with that. I didn't know that. But at some point, <laughs> you know, yeah, the you're, guy you're, has to get credit can, for what he's done. That That's fair. I uh, just based on based on how he gets his outs and how he goes about it. Mm-hmm. That's does that seems too high for me. I don't think there's anyone really that will tell you otherwise about you know. The, yes, he is a regression candidate. The question is how much. Sure. Well, I think I actually think the price is fair though because if we were it was if he was really being drafted off a of two sixty seven, he'd go much higher. 
Soroka would. But I think this almost is baking in that regression that if he is a 350-120 guy with limited Ks but extended innings to kind of curb some of it because I think the volume could go up next year. And if we're getting 180 innings, that raw K number will be a bit higher, even though it's only seven, seven and a half strikeouts per nine for Soroka. I don't mind the 29th pitcher off the board. I didn't say that it was the wrong price. Um, it was just more about what are you personally going for? I think mm-hmm. I would rather have Carrasco. I don't know about Gray. I'm so undecided about Gray. The only thing I will say, and it's here right now, so I'm not saying anything against you in this instance. I'm just saying, folks, don't get used to the idea that Carrasco's a 31st pitcher. That ain't happening yeah, in March. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, so if, just on the topic of Soroka, I mean, he could easily give you three ERA, yeah, three-ish ERA with a 115, 110 whip and like a 20, maybe for like a 25% strikeout rate. Then that's fantastic. That's like the ideal world to me. Sure. Uh, yeah. For Soroka next year. But there is a chance that he relies too heavily on on that induced weak contact 20% K rate this year and doesn't improve. And then you're really hoping, you're crossing your fingers that it's that it is that 350 fit that you're looking at. Yeah, I could I could whip. see I could see some fall off next year and then some real growth. Like the you know again we talk about prospect growth isn't linear and stuff like right, that. It's so, so hard to understand. You know it, it it can really vacillate, especially with a guy who does allow as much contact as Soroka does and doesn't have the strikeout uh, upside. I do wonder if he could add some strikeouts though, because again yeah, he can also sure. develop. This is what his skill set is now. This is what his pitch repertoire is now. You know what if somebody taught him a curve. Um, you know, what What if there was another pitch in there that could get more swings and misses and he was able to elevate that 10 percent swinging strike rate? There is that, too. We're not drafting based off of that because that is uh, that is stuff that's in the ether that we could maybe see in the spring if it does come to fruition. I like Soroka, though. I think the price is OK. I think there's other guys around here that I'm comfortable with as well, but I'm certainly open to taking Soroka. I will have some shares of him if this price maintains. I do want to talk about great. You mentioned Carrasco. I will say I'm yeah. with you. I would take him a billion percent, but again, I just don't think we should get used to this as a as a rate for him because I do think a a fall in winter of rotographs and pitcher lists talking about how great Carrasco is, and then some quality spring work is going to send him sky high. In fact, in fact, <laughs> that's true. I think a good playoff if they make the playoffs and he is like their their middle stud. Ah, where he's right, doing the playoff three tax. stints of excellence, I think the playoff tax will send Carrasco yeah, way definitely. back up. But hey, let's talk about we, right. Yo, go ahead. Before we even talk about that, can we talk about you using the word ether and vacillate in the same breath? That was incredible. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about Sonny Gray. You said that you don't really know what to do, and it's tough because he's been unquestionably excellent this year. Yes. Like it's right there, staring us in the face. You watch a start, you look at the stats, whichever one you want to do. If you're a stats guy, if you're a watch guy. Both of them are working to say that Sonny Gray's been awesome this year. And yet you have a little bit of trepidation. And I want to d- dive deeper into that. What is your realistic expectation? In 280 ERA, 109 whip. We're pushing those up a little bit. But to what degree? It's a 342 FIP. Is that where you're setting? Um, is the strikeout Are the strikeout gains real? What, what, talk through some of this stuff with Gray. He'll have another year in Cincinnati with Derek Johnson. The, the narrative panned out, by the way. The narrative that we all talked about in the right, season right. couldn't have panned out better. This is the chalk one up for narrative because it absolutely panned out the way we expected. And uh, he's been awesome. So talk through Sonny Gray a bit and, and where you think this 2020 could land for him. 
So instead of the EYBS, it's the OYBS for uh, for Gray. That is uh, every odd year Gray does well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, 2016, 2018, it was a 589, 569 ERA and a 490. And then the other years, he gets it together. Uh, I don't obviously believe in that kind of stuff, but it is interesting to me of you know his his undulations, the way that Gray feels his breakers and then he doesn't, and with that it does make his fastball hittable or not. Sure, um, you're going to yep. see pitch values on his fastball go massively positive, massively negative, massively positive, negative, positive, and that's all because of his feel of his secondary pitches and how often he can throw those for strikes or earn strikes, I should say, with those pitches. Uh, he's actually someone who does not like throwing sliders or curveballs inside the zone and relies on their O swing a lot. The Yankees were trying to get him to throw more of them inside the zone, yeah, and it like just that. didn't really work for him. I I don't I mean yes it it's worked out well this year uh, and I mean that in biggest ways curveball 15p value on it uh, slider at 10p value these are not this is not typical for him uh, to have both of those so that to me I, I generally hate jumping after guys that are having career years without substantial changes just really saying like these pitches are just inherently better sure uh, that to me that. is something I push back on. Because uh, that just relies on feel as opposed to approach and actual methodology to get there, and that those or, or like development of a new pitch or something. Right, right. Um, so, but there could be tweaks that he made that now are consistent as well. So I'm I'm undecided. I, the one thing I will say is looking at the guys past here, around 35 mark and and farther down, you get dicier, and I definitely would rather have gray than those. So I see him at 30. I think it's kind of right. Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, I put him 28th. So I, I'm right yeah. in line with the market on that it so far. It sounds about right to me. Um, let's move on to that next round then and talk about in the ninth round we have Woodruff, Brandon Woodruff, Mike Miner, and Domingo Herman. Um, how do you feel about that little trio there uh, with respect to maybe like a Gray or a Soroka? Yeah. I love I love these. Okay. It just gets so fascinating to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I mean I really think starting in in the eighth is where it really opens up. I mean the glass now Severino Darvish Bumgarner. There's a lot of debate on on them too, but I, I think that I think we know a little bit more about most of those guys. Maybe not glass now, which we which you and I highlighted, but then it really opens up starting yeah. in that Soroka Gray Carrasco Ryu Ray round. So so Ryu, no way, get out of here. Oh yeah, by the way, we didn't talk about him. He was in the eighth. Um, no, no. Sorry, I'm I'm Just probably not drafting him, but the thing of it is, dude, is that in today's game, like you can get 130 innings, and, well, and right. that could he be benefit. He will benefit your team. He's clear. He's clearly wearing down. Like he is. Right. He is car. He is cut out to be more of a buck fifty. Like why? I guess. I guess what I'm getting at is, I like, why won't you just get Kyle Hendricks if you're going to draft Hyunjin Ryu? That's fair, and that's thirty picks later. That that's that's right. completely fine. I just want to get a quick bit on him, but let's go into this Woodruff Minor uh, Herman trio here. Yeah, uh, and they're in the ninth <laughs> round with regularity. Woodruff obviously was having the breakout season, and then injury hit. He's supposed to return if he finishes with a flourish. I think that that could uh, actually improve his draft stock, meaning it would make him more expensive, which means it would hurt him from a buying standpoint, of course, because you want him cheaper. Minor. 
another really strong year and don't sleep on Texas getting a dome next year. That's going to that's going to help a little bit with these Definitely, pictures because yes. that sweltering heat will the be mitigated by a climate controlled dome is not as, not as bingo. Big as- and uh, and then Domingo Herman, speaking of guys who are, are back in like a middle role, uh, he's been moved into that bullpen role and uh, pitched in both ends of the double header yesterday. You know, are you surprised if I told maybe you already knew this, but I was a little bit surprised when I saw it that his ERA is up at 409. I thought it was better, really? but I guess. Yeah. OK, you are surprised. What happened? I am shocked. Um, I don't. You know I, what I mean, happened? you guys know me. I don't talk about that kind of stuff either. What what happened? Like three starts or something, and then that was it. Honestly, it really is because it was three thirty eight after his first two starts coming out of the break. Then he got trounced for eight by Minnesota, five at Oakland, and then five at Boston. So three bad starts on the road against good teams. Spread out, by the way. Those were not in a row, but those are what's pushing his second half ERA up to five thirty, and that's been enough to. Uh, to push his ERA up from 3.38 to now 4.09, but he has 52 billion wins and 151 <laughs> strikeouts in 141 innings. That's keeping his value high because, despite that, despite a pretty you know modest 4.09 ERA, uh, I bet he's a top 10 or top 20. I should say not 10, top 20 starter on Rasball. Let me look. 18. I mean, 18 wins. It's gonna do. That, that. That's what I'm saying. It's it's the it's the MLB yeah. best 18 dubs. But Woodruff, Minor, Herman, who's your favorite? And then let's talk about all three a little bit. Man, okay. Um, this is so tough. First of all, I have to mention Woodruff. You were high on entering the year. Props to you for that. Uh, regardless of the injury, but that was you were pushing that one. I was pushing Corbin Burns because that slider should have trust the fastball. All right. Uh, that, now, that, will, that was where I was going. I was like, just give me the fastball. But just give me the fastball. I will say, I, think it, oh, yeah. I just wanted the winner, by the way, too. I, Woodruff was my guy. Burns oh, right, was your right, guy. Right, I think yeah. we both said whoever wins that job, though, we I'd be interested yeah. 100%. in. Um, we just picked a horse each. He's, he's been great. It has been the fastball. I think he's shown a bit more with his secondaries because I know that that was your big thing. It's like, well, what else does he have? And it really is only the, the changeup is still pretty weak. Uh, in, yeah, fact, in fact, I'll go bad. Moments. I'll call it bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go so it's far as to say it's it's inconsistent. It's had flourishes here and there, but for the most part, it's not reliable. So he is more of a two-pitch guy, Woodruff is. I did like that he added a tick of velo despite going from the bullpen to starting. That was nice to go to 95 yeah, that was great. to 96. So next year, he's going to be 27. There wouldn't have been any reins on him, I don't think, if he, if he hadn't gotten hurt. I think he was going to be able to go buck 90 plus. I like the volume. I think uh, – I mean you look at what he did this year. It was, it was still a 375 ERA despite how well he pitched, 309 fifth. I still really like Woodruff for next year. I'm definitely going to pay this price. Yeah, I think I'm with you actually looking at these three guys. The, the one of the funniest thing I, I, I noticed that in this Miami series with the Brewers, four starters went. Jordan Lyles, Gio Gonzalez, Zach Davies, Chase Anderson. None of them threw a full five innings. Uh, dude, and the Brewers swept. They haven't <laughs> – uh, somebody told me this, and I can't remember if it was in my uh, on Twitter or in my Twitch chat. I was talking about like recommending somebody for a spot start uh, on the Brewers, and like, got to be careful recommending them. None of their guys are going more than five. Right. So the thing is, though, Woodruff was going consistently six, seven. Yes, he, he was, was their workhorse. Deep. And I mean, I, I guess that's going to continue. Uh, this wasn't something that you know the full season. It wasn't just four or five. From their starters, it was no, like no, no. Recently. This is new. 
This is new. Right. This is the last two week type of deal. So I mean, is it playoff council uh, doing that kind of stuff? You know, Miley showing up for four pitches. Um, still by so the way, I, I was debating if like that was as short of a start as he's had the last two starts. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Miley erased like, a lot of good work with that oh, last. Man, I felt so that bad. Was... And the thing is, too, I'm starting him in his next start if I own Miley. Same. Same. I, I mean, I don't think you can crazy. overreact. Like, it's a crummy, awful start, and it stings. But I don't think you put him on the bench. Two but of them. Uh, two of them, well, and it's just you, you just gotta do it. Still, um, yeah, yeah anyway, absolutely. With, Woodruff. With Woodruff, though, I am going. I think I am going to say I do believe his fastball more than anything else from the other guys, and that was a very consistent fastball. Slider did get better. Uh, yeah, that did surprise me. That's a what bit. I like. That's what I like um, a lot. And it could continue to as well. Uh, we'll see. I mean, he's supposed to come back next week. So yes. we'll see where that velocity is, see where he is. I hope the command is because he is a guy that does sling a little bit. Mm-hmm. He has a tendency of opening that front shoulder a little too often. Uh, that made me a little scared as well at the beginning of the season. But he got that on lockdown, got the feeling, went on that run. Uh, I do believe in that skill set a little bit more than Mike Miner. There is still some feeling of smoke and mirrors there. Uh, and let's, with so let's talk a little Mike Miner. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, I mean... The fastball, it seems like it should be more hittable. That's the biggest problem I have. There has to be a measure of deception that we're not necessarily picking up watching him. Because it does continue to be successful, and yet you look at it and you're like, I mean, it's 93 from the left side, which is perfectly capable, but it's not particularly special, and yet it performs well. In fact, it's performing brilliantly this year. Yeah, like it's it's been excellent this year. And Miner was pretty solid last year. He closed very strong. So this is really a year and a half of high quality work out of Mike Miner after the big relief season back in 2017 as well. And, you know, a little bit of a workhorse behavior this year. He's going to have 200 innings if uh, two more five inning starts gets him there or just over five innings uh, gets him there. That's excellent, too. He's obviously had a major health track record uh, in the past when he missed all of 15 and 16. But before that, he was developing into something of of a workhorse type as well. Is Mike Miner somebody that you trust for the volume? Uh, maybe. Um, OK, so there, there's the fact that his changeup has a 184 average allowed this year with a 229 BAPIP. I don't know if I buy that. I mean, that's that's it's generally for secondary pitches. You do expect lower than normal. Sure. Uh, fastballs are the ones that should be slightly higher. And then yeah, 184, though, I don't know if really he's going to do that again. And the slider is just really a striking pitch. But honestly, this year it's been bad. It, it, it's 292 batting average allowed, 361 Babbitt on it. Sure, that should come down. But it just hasn't really been this dominating pitch, and it really has that just used been to be his fastball. key pitch. Yeah, and his, With, his curveball is pretty mediocre as well. Sure, I don't know if I really believe in that fastball changeup combination carrying him for to be. I don't know where is he thirty five. Thirty five, which actually, is that's actually a good price for him. But you know what? This is something we talked about offline. I said uh, in my in my honorable mention list, I had Miner and his teammate Lance Lynn back to back. That's where I'm going to rank them. And if you got Lynn going 40 picks later or 35 picks later, as it is, there's no way I'm taking Miner when Lynn's when, right. when yeah. Lynn's 161. Not, and you you, uh, you talked about price, who so you liked at 151. I'm with. We've always been price guys. And yes. so as much I, I again, this is not a a 
indictment of Miner so much as it is a promotion of guys behind him. Hendricks, right. uh, Price, Lynn, and then we'll get into some other guys later. I don't want to spoil some of our picks that we're going to do <laughs> outside the 150. But I think that's why I'll probably end up passing less about Miner, who I actually think is perfectly cromulent here at 35. Like, it's fine. Oh, you're but just throwing them in now. I'm not going to do it. I, I am. Cromulent. Oh, look at you. Uh, and then there's the Miguel Herman. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, just really quickly there, there is a lot to like. When his I fastball agree. dominates, it's great because that curveball is always going to be really good. Changeup, I, I, I used to give him more of a focus on, but honestly, it's not that important. If the fastball and curveball are both working, the changeup can do whatever it wants. He, he can't. Everything is fine. When the fastball change uh, curveball is working, uh, you can't do anything against Herman. And, right. and he really only needs it as because he really hits that curveball a lot. It's like a 38 uh, percent usage rate. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when when the fastball and curve are that interchange, you know, the usage rates aren't that far apart. The changeup does not have to be something that he relies upon. I really like Domingo Armani. He was somebody I liked coming into the year. He's not going to win 18 again. But even if he goes 409, even if he repeats the same ERA, 409 with like a 120 whip. I think the strikeouts, and he's still going to have good win probability. He's not going to go eighteen and four again. But what if well, he goes fifteen and eight? Wins. Yeah, fifteen. You yeah, know, exactly. I'll take that where he's going. I'm fine with Daniel Herman at, at the thirty sixth pitcher. Yeah, I am too. All and right, now, let's the move on. Part, yeah, the next four. Our tenth what round here: on? Zach Wheeler, Max Fried, Kyle Hendricks, and Eduardo Rodriguez. They wrap up. What is this? It's. You can't tell me that this group is different from a random four that you would pick out of the next 50. I mean, it's, 50. Okay. Well, I was going to say well, 20, okay. but no, yeah, yeah, but it's higher than 20. It's lower than 50, but like it, 25, 30 pitchers, I can pick four that to go here. That would be just as viable as and I'm, I'm surprised. It's these four. Right. Okay. So, so Kyle Hendricks, I get. Yes, because he is just steady Eddie and right. you just like, you just put him in your lineup and and you don't even look at him. Like you you don't even have to worry. You just he's gonna have a few blow-ups during the year, but he's gonna then throw 18 scoreless in a row to get him back on. Like it he's so good. He really right. is a good pitcher and he really stabilizes. If you want to be Mr. Volatile in the first seven, eight rounds, get Kyle Hendricks in the eighth, ninth, and and steady your rotation. Sure, exactly. So let's I, talk about the other three then, because they're more so, important. Okay. This is fascinating. One, I, I think I've made it very uh, public that I'm just out on Eduardo Rodriguez. Yes. After being in, by the way. So for folks that think that he's just hating, he used to be very in on I, him. I, yeah, I was like, I was like, you know what? All right. I mean, I've, I've essentially always had him at like 45 or 40 or something like that. He frustrates me because every time I quit him, he goes on a run. Six start, right. seven start, eight start run. And I'm just like. I get reeled back in a little bit and start bumping him back up the rankings and then he flops again or has a lower half injury, which have been a bugaboo for Eduardo Rodriguez. He's in currently in one of those said runs, by the way, his last five starts. He has a 111 ERA with 32 strikeouts and 32 and a third. Why are you out? And again, that's not a challenge of like, how dare no, yeah, you? No. That's a, a expound <laughs> on your point that I, I pretty yeah, much question agree. one, question one. How dare you? Question one. I, how dare you? No, I mean, it's it's pretty simple, honestly. Uh, he's very fastball changeup heavy. Slider, cutter, whatever you want to call it. I remember there was even hype about it in the spring, and it's the same pitch. Mm-hmm. It's not good. It needs to be a strike-getting pitch, and it's just not consistent for him. 
when he's feeling his fastball and changeup on a given day, he's great. But that's not a very common thing. And it's why you have games where he's killing against the Twins and Yankees and then others where he just can't handle the Jays. Yep. And it's it's maddening. It's frustrating. You're stuck in this purgatory if you're owning Eduardo. He is one of those, and, uh, the opponent doesn't matter. It's all on right, him. It really doesn't. And I don't want that. Again, I'm, I'm with, with every 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 pitcher that I draft for the most part, um, it's kind of, you know what? This is okay. I've never thought of it like this. Um, I used to be into poker when I was in college, like every other, you know, <laughs> person I knew. Yeah. And <laughs> I remember reading Super System mm-hmm. by uh, by Doyle Brunson. And one point he always used to make was, if you're bluffing, you need to have an out. You need to have something that can still go your way. For me, <laughs> drafting pitchers a lot, I need to know that there is still a ceiling that can be hit that can massively improve where I drafted them. So I need to firmly believe, you know what, David Price, there is a chance he becomes a top 20 pitcher. He can get that. He can do 180 plus innings. He's he can done it. Three, three year, right? He's done Many that. a time. I believe yep. that he can do that. You know what? Maybe Matthew Boyd does add his change up. Maybe does get the consistency we dream of. That is there. I don't believe that with Eduardo Rodriguez. I do not believe that he's going to be a top 20 pitcher. He just, just lives in this tight 35 and, to 55 range. Right. And I need that. I personally need the, that chance in there with a lot of these guys inherently. I mean, yes, you have Kyle Hendricks. I don't believe that he's going to have that 210 array or whatever it was. But again. he did it. He, I know, he but did I don't, do it, though. I don't, we're talking about, like, okay, it needs to be a semblance of a chance. I, I think there is <laughs> fine, a fair chance, enough, Fair enough. Because, like, he fine. can... Like, Fine. and I'm not even a huge Kyle Hendricks guy. He has done it. He could, and he put 303 that's up fair. the next that's year. Fair. Uh, right, so right. his ratios could get him there. That's that's kind of your point, though, is that he actually right. could. But with Eduardo, you you see this cap that he's always going to have this struggle period or these struggle periods throughout the year that consistently keep him from really getting over the hump. And that's always been the frustrating part is you see the great eight start run and then it's pushed back by a four start dud run, you know? And, and so he lives in this 370 to 420 range. He did have a 471 in 2016. I'll, I'll throw that out for him, but it's been 370 to 420 in the other four years. And it's just maddening. He's gonna be 27 next year. And I, I think I'm with you. Like, what could develop that would really change this? And I'm not sure that we can Thinking find of the it. development right now is just not. I don't know if you're going to do it for him. Why not anyone else? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not. That's why I'm personally out on Eduardo. And then there's I'm, Zach I'm a, Wheeler. Yeah, Zach Wheeler. I, I obviously was so high on entering the season. I think you were a bit same. not as much as me. I, we were both um, pretty giddy though. Uh, and there's something I think I learned that was a very valuable lesson this year with Zach Wheeler is I I was supporting the idea that having a plethora of secondary pitches, none that are really are truly above average, but are all good, isn't enough. Okay. You need to have the one that you really know that you can bank on a given day. So, and so kind of the opposite of Herman, where Herman only has the two pitches that he can really, really rely on, but they're well, both ace pitches. Well, he can he can rely on one though. It's just a slider. Well, the I meant the fastball. Never... I meant the fastball curve for uh, for Herman. Right. Okay. Is that, oh yeah. It is. Is it the? It is the curveball. That's right. The slider was the one that was a two strike pitch last year. Right. The curveball you can depend on for Marquez. I don't know if you can depend on the fastball though. No, 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 no. For Domingo Herman. Oh my lord! I, I do this all the time. 
that <laughs> mix those two. Yeah, yeah, no. You, by the way, you are right about Marquez. But no, I was saying about um, oh, man. with Domingo, just, we just talked about how he's got the, you know, he's got his fastball, but he's got the yeah, one sorry. ace secondary oh, and man. nothing really else. Your point coming into the year was, okay, it's fastball dependent for Wheeler, but then he has like four or five secondaries depending on what classification well, we right, Hopefully right. something comes together, but it never does or it never yes. did this year. So so last year when he went on that run, one of those always worked, if not multiple. The, the split with, change was really with working the for him. Right. The slider was really good, mm-hmm. and sometimes the curve will be great too. By the way, it's just Domingo Herman Marquez. That's one player. Correct. One super player. So just you so be, we know. You should be able to take both at the same time. Right. Is there a player named Marquez something? All right. <laughs> I'll look. You, you can, uh, or Domingo, uh, last name Domingo. Anyway, uh, so with Wheeler, I, I watched this entire year just waiting for him to develop that slider proper. And I just, I don't believe the Mets are going to do that. Now he is, he is going to be a free agent. I do believe. Yes, Wheeler is a free agent. Correct. So I am intrigued about where he would go. He's going to go replace Garrett Cole in Houston. Right, exactly. That's obviously We put everybody out of Houston. It's so tired. Of course. But But there is something to be said. Okay, maybe he goes somewhere and they do fine-tune something. Mm -hmm. That can sway me a little bit and put me, you know, and keep it around this 35 to 45 range uh, for Zach Wheeler. But for the most part, I think I'm just holding back for now. I'm fine with that. Uh, What about Max Fried, a guy that – I was tepping on until you kind of sold me on him surprising. with the with the added pitch where he now has some strikeout upside because of that that added slider. So now he isn't just fastball curve. He has three pitches, 25 percent strikeout rate this year, 11 and we'll call it 12 percent swinging strike, 402 ERA, the 133 whip. He's been volatile, but the strikeouts have still been there. Where are you on Max Fried for next year? How are we drafting him at the at the what thirty eighth pitcher That's and my then biggest shock of this group. and then Griffin Canning's at sixty three and Heaney's at fifty one. I don't. I, I love Max Fried. This is. I see this. How dare you guys? Yeah, <laughs> because I want to get him in like the twentieth round next year. Yeah, the market. The market's wiling. What are you on, doing? On I I, <laughs> I was surprised. And again, I'll reiterate what I've said a few other times about guys. It's less an indictment of of the pitcher in, at hand and more about guys that are going later that are equivalent or better in some instances. I I just don't. Look, I love him because of what he could be. I understand he's a 25% strikeout rate. That's great. Uh, there's so much inconsistency with him getting that curveball down on the zone. The slider mm-hmm. became a money pitch. Uh, fastballs, it's in that tier two of fastball command where it's one, two, three. One is your Hendricks. Two is you and your free where you can put it on the edges sometimes, sometimes in the middle. And three is, I don't know, Dinos Little Met, uh, where you just don't know. Uh, and Freed can get to one. But I, I don't want to pay this. I want, no. I want to pay like 20. I want to be my like sixth or seventh pitcher and be like, maybe that will work. And maybe I'm dropping him in the first three weeks. No, I feel you. But the market says, no, sir, you're not you're not able to do that. Uh, <laughs> well, with all right, Street. guys. All right. Let's Fine. talk. Uh, let, let, let's let's wrap up here with some of our favorite picks beyond the top 150 sure. here. Let's do a couple favorites in the 150 to 200 range and then a couple post 200 and we'll wrap up. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with one. I mean, as I just already mentioned, Andrew Heaney at 186. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big Andrew Heaney fan. I think the biggest concern is honestly health. Um, he's he's had constant injuries this year and last. But, man, when you talk about separation of your strike zone plot, 
That is having fastballs dedicated to a zone and then playing off of that to make your pitches go in different places but start in the same tunnel. Heaney is a master of it. Sinkers are up, and that sinker actually acts... If it were a four-seamer, I think it would be in the top 15 uh, of spin rates, which is wild. I mean... Um, it just seems like wrong classification. Uh, but it's a really great pitch. And then you have a changeup and curveball that is missing bats under at the bottom of the zone. And when he does that, it's just brilliance from him. Yeah, so he, he needs I, a good love pick there. That. And uh, he's the 51st pitcher off the board at pick 186 on average. The highest he went was 170, which would put him as the 47th pitcher. So pretty tight range there. You're not really having to pay a major premium for Heaney. I think the health profile is going to scare folks off enough to keep him really low in price, which means that it's built into the price. So don't double count it, folks. Sometimes people do that and they're like, well, I don't want to take this guy because of injury. That's already in the price. That's already right. there because if there wasn't a major injury concern with Heaney, he'd be going 30 pitchers higher. He'd be a top 20, 25, well, maybe not that high, but like a top 30, 35 guy. So you're already getting that discount. Uh, my number one guy uh, is Frankie Montas. I love him, and uh, I'm not really worried about the PED suspension. I don't think that whatever, you know, with the PEDs that he took, I don't think that that's what made him good. I like the development that we saw in our in our limited sample this year. I think he's been somebody who's really been putting the pieces together over the last couple of years and then really put it all together. It's only 90 innings. But if I mean, if people are going to take Tyler Glass now off of 50 innings at pit, pitcher 25, then I'll gladly take Montas at pitcher 46 off of 90 great innings. So I like him where he's going. And again, a tight range. The highest he went was 125, which would put him as the 36th pitcher. And uh, he's living around the uh, the 40 to 47 range. I mean, I love that pick too. Uh, I think that's a really good play. I mean, there is concern about the split, but it did Always, help right? a lot. We, we and but worry about splits. The slider's but, good enough, and he's throwing 96, 97. I mean, yep. come on. His feel, uh, his feel was there. Who's who's your second one? You know, I could field an entire team with this. Oh, uh, I mean, we, we, <laughs> in the we interest of time, uh, right? It's the only reason that we're uh, only picking two each. We'd either have to go right. do the ten rounds only as one pod, and then a bunch of picks after, or combine like this and keep our picks <laughs> limited. Because I right? agree with you. Uh, I can talk this about is, thirty. This yeah. is one. This is the one of the most fun casts I've had with you, by the way, because we just went through so many guys. I. All right, I'm going to throw a four, and then I'll stick on my fourth. David Price, Lance Lynn, and Jake Odorizzi, I think, are all fantastic values. 151 for Price, 160 for Lynn. We were just talking about him kind we're of being who he is a bit. Time. And then Odorizzi at 187. I love uh, that the, you the way that he paints the top of the corner. If you just look at any strike supply of a good game for him, you just see it's bloody at the top with just red four-seamers. And then you have a clutter of splitters and, uh, and cutters down below. Uh, mm-hmm. But I would say I am totally in a Jesus Lazardo at 180. Uh, I think that he is definitely a supreme talent. Everything that we've seen of him is someone that can be a top 30 pitcher yes. uh, instantly. Uh, now, and uh, at that price where he's going to be your SP5, I'm I'm very much in. I'd rather take the chance of that panning out well than, say, John Gray or Miles Mikolas, guys that are coin flips. Uh, Boyd, Marquez, Smith. It, to me, Jesus is someone above those guys to me. So Lazardo's low was pick 141, which would put him at pitcher 38. I think That's by Reed. draft season... Uh, sorry, Lazardo, yeah. I think by draft season, that could be his ADP, which means he would spike higher. What's the highest you would pay? Would you take Robbie Ray at 116 or Jesus Lazardo? 
I think I would take Lizardo. I love Lizardo, so you're not really going to get a lot of pushback from me. <laughs> and if he is anything cheaper than, say, 130, pick 130, you're going to see a lot of Lizardo shares on my club. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I think I would still go Woodruff, Minor, Herman above him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is that's, That was more against Ray for me, but right after that is going to be close to Lizardo. And and uh, that's actually perfect. I didn't even realize that because Herman, uh, if, if that would be where the 130 is, right below those three, yeah, Woodruff, right, Minor, exactly. and Herman. Uh, my second guy was Luke Weaver, another guy uh, like that. Montaz who's missing the second half. Now, his was due to injury, um, but – I'm I'm encouraged by kind of what, what what we're seeing here. It doesn't look like anything's going to linger and carry over into next year. Obviously, we'll play the news as as we get it. Hopefully, nothing. There's no sort of setback, but we could even see him toward the end of this year. Here, it could still get back on the mound, and if he finishes on the mound, I'm going to be heavily encouraged. Loved the development that we saw from Weaver. This was peak prospect growth isn't linear type of guy oh, where. Yeah. He had the big flourish of 60 innings. Everyone drafted him based off of that way too high. Uh, he he labored through 2018. He was not good. 495, 150 ERA whip combo. We'll just call it what That's, it was. That it was, was bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he and then he got traded and he was an afterthought, Nick. He was like a 300 or later pick. Nobody was buying in uh, on him as anything more than um, than just a, a random flyer. Loved what he was able to do this year in his 60 innings. So it's another 60 inning flourish, but I think there was some development there. I'm excited about Weaver, and given that health, I'm going to be taking him here. And again, when it's built into the price, I'm not going to double count the health and say, well, he he could get hurt. His pick 198 signed me up. Right. You just reminded me of someone that is actually in the RP. It's Zach Gallon at 145. Oh, dude! If I had seen him, he'd definitely be mentioned. Right? We'll, so we'll, we'll do a, we'll do a joint pick. He's in for me really quickly. He's at 145. I'm putting he him on the list. He would be right around the Domingo Herman. Yeah. Tier for he's a, he's a joint pick for us because I I didn't see him because yeah. I was only looking I know, at I the SPs. I 100 percent agree. 100 <laughs> percent there. Now let's go into our post 200 picks. Now, unfortunately, the site has refreshed on me. Same here. And I can't get into it. No, but I, I remember. I don't. So, um, okay. You uh, tell us. Well, I'll say this. I mean, they're post um, 200. We'll tell you that. Right. Before, right before Aaron Savali for me was Griffin Canning. And I don't get that. Uh, Griffin Canning to me has the Blake Snell blueprint. Uh, not the Blake, well, the Blake Snell blueprint, but actually more of a Shane Bieber. Because it's slider, curveball that are both really good pitches. Mm-hmm. And he just needs to take that last step forward with his fastball. It's a lot of what we saw from Shane Bieber last season that made us excited for this year. I love this. I think it's a very much of a easy, easy play to make that doesn't have the same hype of Bieber, but could get similar return. Uh, I'm going all in on Canning. I believe he was around the 65th uh, starter taken. And I'm so price. in at that price. I love it. Yeah, I love that price. Okay, the 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 site is back up. Uh, my <laughs> first guy is is kind of a boring one, but he just performs every year. I mean, if you're a head to head leaguer, you kind of have to plan for him to get shut down slash move to the bullpen late, as he always does. And I do think it is contract manipulation uh, for Kenta Maeda because it just it, it's happened again, and he has contract incentives related to his innings pitched. Now, there could also be you know something where they don't feel like he can hold up for much more than 
than 140-ish innings, and so they are uh, also trying to protect him. That said, give me the 145 innings of quality work, bunch of strikeouts. Honestly, even as a reliever, he's done some interesting things. Uh, I think he stole a save, like an elongated save, and a win. And so, um, you know, in September, he's gotten four-inning save, four-inning win. And if you're in a league that counts such a thing, his last outing yesterday was a hold. So he got a one-inning hold there. So, you know, he's still delivering fantasy value even though he's not starting. I like Kenta Maeda. I think he's always just going to be kind of cheap uh, because – uh, because people know that the innings are going to be limited, and I think he's over uh, over discounted, I'll take him here with ease. Oh, man. All right. There's so many guys I could mention right now. Uh, I I know you already talked about Mitch Keller, so I can't – I don't really want to do that. Did we or did we talk – I think we talked about him offline. Well, you talked – okay. I, I know that you had a conversation about Mitch Keller. I mean, I will say this about him. I I kind of want to – I want to buy into his ability but I can't really go fully in because I don't trust the Pittsburgh organization to handle is, him right. Is there a Nick Kingham vibe here at all? No, no, no. This is more okay. dominant than Nick Kingham. Okay. I, 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 I tend to – oh, wait. By the way, they just put Zach Gallen in. It's so funny. Well, on this update, Gallen is an SP. I wonder if somebody like – Are you met, serious? I swear. Like we're, we're using Smata's <laughs> board. We refresh I, it after you mentioned that he was not there. Smata, do you have our do you have our yeah. our mics tapped here? <laughs> Change Matthew Boyd's name to oh, Matt man. if you're listening to this right yeah, now. Yeah, please do that. I, but um, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember actually who my other pitcher oh, was. Oh, I can tell you who it was. It was uh, Sean was Mania, it? which is a great pick. Oh yeah, he's two eight. How is he two eighteen? He and Keller what are both two eighteen, by the way. And between those two, while I do like Keller and share the, your same trepidation about Pittsburgh. I love Manaya, dude, and he's I mean, come back so strong. What, what's what I really do want to mention, though, is that he is still a slinger, and he's someone that I was really enamored by, and I kind of forgot. Right, he does have that lower angle, and that generally does mean that you are more inconsistent with your command because the timing you need to have when you release the ball is a lot different coming across your body than it is down your body going north and, to and south. And this is Manaya we're talking about. Yes, John Manaya. Yep. So. So I do, still do have that hesitation, but at sure. this price, I mean, you could easily get an SP3-4 out of this. That's the thing, and he'll be your 5-6. Yeah, and that, that's an easy pick for me. Very no, I, I, I'm i with you there, and I, I agree that uh, he's somebody I like. We'll see how his price develops over the winter and into the spring for Sean Manaya. I definitely think it could escalate, but I don't know that it's going to soar to a, a cost-prohibitive stance. Let's say it goes, quote-unquote, wild. And he's pick 160. Now, there are guys we like around that better. We mentioned Lance Lynn. We're Caleb Smith guys. We're Boyd boys, Montas. But if he's in that 160 to 175 range, wouldn't you still buy Manaya in the right situation? Uh, it's it's a case where I would probably wait to Lizardo or Heaney or, or Weaver, as you mentioned. Well, uh, I, I, think gonna, I think Lizardo's going to push that. Yeah, that's fair, right. Uh, Canning, uh, I wonder where Lance McCullers will fall. I agree. Um, that's going to be a intriguing uh, one. I, I I know this is going to be silly, and everyone's going to laugh. I wonder what's going to happen with Michael Fulmer, <laughs> and see if I can just get him as an IL stash at the beginning. We, uh, we have a hard time. Uh, oh, quitting him. And last one, very last one for the road here. Dallas Keuchel at two thirty-five. So in. It's free. I mean, it's free. And but where's he going to land? I guess that's part of the question too. Maybe there's that, some. That's fair. Maybe the hold out again. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I think he'll sign something. So I don't think he wants to do that again. Right, right. But uh, you know, boring and just steady Eddie. Uh, right, we'll take it. My last guy is Joe Musgrove. I'm not going to get into it too deeply. You guys have heard me talking about Musgrove ad nauseum. But I think the discount here is just obscene. Two forty one, uh, the eighty sixth pitcher off the board. I understand that he like nobody understands more than me the disappointment that he's delivered this year. It's on every one of my freaking teams for crying out loud. <laughs> but even with this crummy season, he's 59th on on the uh, player rater over at Rasball, and you're p- giving him to me as the 86th pitcher. Nah, sign me up, man. I still think there's development here. I'm not really that far off of what I felt coming into this year, despite the ups and downs, because there still have been plenty of ups. Uh, for for Musgrove, including his recent three starts, he's he's running a nice little uh, he's on a nice little run yet again here. It's just that the duds are so dud that uh, they really erase a lot of good work. But no, I'm, I'm not I'm not moving off Musgrove, especially at this price. One one great point about Musgrove is the last two starts have been 94 miles per hour, 94.8, the two highest of the season. Yep. So someone to consider. Maybe he is ramping up. I don't want to put too much weight on these September performances for. 2020 drafts but there is obviously still that upside to to take advantage of and and we've seen a lot of guys have second half breakouts that pan out into full season yes, runs the minor. following year and i'm not saying that that he's doing that it hasn't been like a full-on second half breakout for uh for musgrove in fact if you add up the era it's been bad because of the few stinkers they've been so awful but i still trust that the skills are here i still think we could see some development hate the team Still like the guy at 86. So uh, we could name like 20 more (laughs) names, uh, but we'd be going two, three hours here. So let's go ahead and cap it here. We gave you guys a nice uh, long pod for the weekend. Nick, always great talking with you. And uh, we'll come back next week maybe with something a little bit more 19 focused to finish off the season. Definitely. And Spore, it's always fun hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList.